What's up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. Wow, what a week one in the NFL season we had just this past weekend. We'll be talking a lot about those games, some major storylines coming out of those games, there were some major injuries also coming out of those games, and we'll also talk about what's going to happen week two because we have a lot of teams that are coming in that made the playoffs last season that are 0-1, now face kind of a desperation period of, of you know, do you have to really win this second game? Uh, or, or your playoff chance is really essentially going to be in great jeopardy. We know teams that start 0-2 don't often make the playoffs, definitely don't often win Super Bowls. So some teams with some big aspirations will have their backs against the wall this week. So we'll talk about some of those games as well. And we'll talk some college football because we have another major, uh, major blue blood college football program with a coaching opening now. Um, USC has moved on from Clay Helton meaning they right now have the most coveted open job in the college football landscape. We'll tell you what happened with Helton, why he failed, and what comes next for the Trojans. So it should be a great show. Joining me are is my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, what's up, man? Uh, nothing much, EJ. Um, you know, obviously, great weekend of of NFL football, great weekend of college football. We saw uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes go down uh, in a game that was uh, surprising to many, but uh, surprising the most, but not me. Um, I picked Oregon to make it to the college football playoff uh, on our show, what was it, two, uh, two weeks ago? And, yeah. you know... Going into that game, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau's not playing. Justin Flo wasn't playing on defense. They're two best players. Uh, the, the confidence was waning. Got to admit, the confidence was waning. I was like, man, this is going to ruin my pick. I really liked this Oregon team. I wasn't sure about this Ohio State team. I did not pick to make the playoff. Um, but they pulled it out anyway on the road. So, as you can imagine, my confidence in my Oregon as a playoff team pick is at an all-time high. Now, Ohio State um, also was busy some guys, too, to be fair. Yeah, but, I mean, they got the guys. They got all – if they, no, they no, had I'm just saying, let's give it 100. It wasn't Garrett like either Wilson. team was at full strength. If they had C.J. Stroud, yeah, no. I mean, look, Ohio State's still a work in progress. Uh, yeah. I think the the biggest guy missing was the defensive coordinator, uh, Kerry Combs. Well, no, yeah. He was there. But, um, <laughs> but you know, he was there in, in spirit. But, but no, I mean, they, they, they struggled – defensively um Ohio State fans clearly um you know they 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 know you know Ryan Day you know has made it made it known that you know they had their struggles and whatnot so but but for whatever reason you know they you know they didn't play the normal Ohio State football that we're used to and obviously Justin Fields isn't there so um we'll see if they can get better we'll see if CJ Sproul can improve but it's still good. The season looks like it's going to be a little bit of work in progress for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, EJ, I know you were at a uh, an incredible baseball game. Oh yeah, oh yeah, man, yo, yo. I was at the Subway Series, Mets and Yankees, two teams that really are still in really bad shape in regards to uh, their current situation. I mean, the, the the Mets are several games out of the wild card and the uh, division. The Yankees, after looking very comfortably in the wild card spot, have now fallen out of the wild card spot due to, to a kind of just a mind blowing kind of collapse here 
late. Both teams in a must-win game on Sunday night uh, to win the rubber game of the Subway Series at City Field. Played an absolute epic baseball game. Probably one of the better games of the season. And I was sitting, not front row, but uh, sitting pretty close uh, to the <laughs> action, man. Um, Lindor cracking three home runs. Benches clearing. That last one, man. You want to talk about just like an all-time moment? You know, yeah, I mean, he earned, the, he earned, he earned the royal pin, he earned, he earned the royal pinstripes. Hey, look, EJ, Phil, Not I maybe actually, pinstripes, but you're, you're in the royal pinstripes. You know, we got to get to football, but mm-hmm. you, we talked about the Mets a couple weeks ago when they had yep. their whole fiasco, and uh, we talked a lot off air about it, and you were you were convinced that Francisco Lindor had to go, yeah, and Javier Baez had to go. Yep. Did they did they win back the good graces of the New York family? It's, it appears that way. Like John Carl yeah, it, it yeah, it appears that way. I mean, to me, I. I, I certainly was not alone in feeling that. I felt like those guys, they need to be numbered. I know Lindor was very unlikely considering the contract, but, you know, obviously with Diaz, you know, uh, with uh, Baez, they could just decide not to resign him. Um, but, no, I think that not only have they changed a lot of minds of Mets fans, they changed the mind of myself. I mean, both of those guys, since the thumbs-down gate, have been just <laughs> excellent. And they're not the reason that the Mets have still not made more ground in either race. I mean, those guys have been trying to carry the team. Uh, so they're showing a lot of grit. Showing a lot of heart, credit with credit is due. And this is really all we ask of them. Um, to play hard, play the right way, and to come up big when, when, when your team is needed. And, and, you know, I mean, Lindor just had an unforgettable game. And he's been on a tear just overall over the past several weeks. Uh, Baez also has been on a tear since that thumbs-down gate. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, they really turned the so, tide. So what you're saying is if Ben Simmons drops 40 against the Celtics, <laughs> That the Philly fans will be back in, oh, be back in the graces of the Philly. Anything is possible, man. I'm just that's all I'm saying is anything is possible, uh, and, and you never know because again, it's crazy to see. Even though the Mets again still haven't really done much to help their playoff chances in the last you know three weeks or two weeks, whenever thumbs down gate happened, those guys have played great, and they see a lot of Mets fans seem to have moved on from that. Um, it goes to show you, man, that winning or you know production kind of is the 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 deodorant that uh, quelches all stench around you or your baseball team. And that's what we've seen with Bias and Lindor. Um, speaking of fandoms, uh, we have a special guest on today's podcast, Shamari, who of course joins us every week for the Hero Talk podcast. He's also the host of the Imperial Broadcast here on New Generation uh, Podcast Network. He joins us on the podcast, and Sham, we're excited to have you on to talk about the NFL, but I got to also bring up the fact that you being the Florida Gators fan, your team, just like my team a couple weeks ago, is being led into the slaughter of having to go up against Alabama. Do you do you feel like your Gators will fare any better than my Hurricanes did a couple weeks ago? Because I'll tell you what, it was scary trying to go up against uh, that squad and seeing what they did to Miami. Who's that quarterback? <laughs> well, I, I mean, look. I mean, I mean. Yeah, well, look. I mean, uh, a lot of Florida fans don't seem to know what's going on. Though Dan Mullen's saying that they know what's going on, which I guess is all that matters. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, me and Kendall have been talking off air a lot about, <laughs> about that situation. And I think that that will determine how good we do. I mean, Emory Jones, and and I'm not going to go into the whole rant on Emory Jones. Right, okay, right. I mean, that's not why I'm here. It's all bad about Emory <laughs> Jones. Um, but. I mean, just the decision making, you know, a lot of questionable decisions being made in, in those games, and, and then there's this freshman Anthony Richardson, 
They're calling him AR-15. They're calling him AR-15 down in Florida. Wonder why? Jesus. He's wearing number fifteen, <laughs> and he's in Florida. I, I feel so like Florida. We can. Florida. I mean, I would say Florida. We can do better, but I mean, really, Florida. I'm sorry, you probably can't do better. <laughs> if you're listening, and you reside in Florida. I'm not judging, but it is what it is. Um, they call him AR-15 down there, and this kid is like, what is he? What is he like? Six five? Something? Is he yes. Six five? Two forty? Uh, he, he can run. Can run. He just run in, pass out. Now look, we played with a couple of bum teams, okay? But <laughs> but even after you told me Florida, you told me Florida Atlantic isn't the world beater that they're not gonna compete for a playoff spot. Even Emory Jones is throwing picks at Florida right. Atlantic. That's always the question. It's like, well, how did the other guy do it? <laughs> He's throwing picks at Florida Atlantic. I mean, you know, it's like it's it's quite very questionable stuff. But this kid Anthony Richardson has been lighting it up, and he's only been in he the game. Three, he was the first player. In I want to say was it the history of college football or you know, like the last twenty years to go three for three or to have a completion on every one hundred percent completion percentage over one hundred fifty yards passing and a uh, hundred and hundred yards rushing. Hundred yards rushing ran for a touchdown all the way down the field. Yes. Was it a touchdown ran. on every throw or something like that or? Uh, I forget exactly. He might have like two touchdowns. It was something, yeah, it was something crazy. Yeah, I think he had two touchdowns and like a rushing touchdown. Yeah, it's something insane. But he is—he's something special. Uh, With all that being said, all that being said, <laughs> yeah, you know we're not Alabama. We'll see what happens. I'm rooting for my team. I don't think we're gonna win. But Nick Saban. Oh wait, what's the bot? But cut you off before the butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, no, yeah, no, you, you got to the most important part. You can't, you can't, you can't. Uh, yeah, you gotta see but, what's gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, it, look, if we put Anthony Richardson in, you know, when Emory Jones starts doing what Emory Jones does, unfortunately, just for this season so far, closer. If we than put Anthony expert. Richardson <laughs> in. We course so closer than the experts. The experts think. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we we'll see. You know, he can he can he can put up points. He puts up points whenever he sits I, on the field. I already know. Well, the, well, the, well, the spread is 14 and a half. So close in the experts think, I guess, would be less than two touchdowns. I think that I, spread I is nuts. You, I can't imagine Florida I don't keeps know. this game inside two touchdowns. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know EJ's thoughts, but I can guarantee you it, he thinks that Florida's going to get blown out. Just because yes. he went through the experience of playing <laughs> yeah. out there. And he's yeah, been really, selling himself that – that game was all Alabama. Yeah, but, it, it, yeah, but like, not Miami. But I don't look, know, man, for my for my own sanity, I have to just tell myself that. Yeah, Miami also didn't look who, good. Who did they lose? Who did they almost lose to? A- by like, Appalachian State. Appalachian State. I mean, what state? Look, man, we're not here to talk about the Miami Hurricane. We're here to talk about Florida and their matchup with Alabama, and why they they're the ones that are now about to catch about to catch this work by saving. Nick Saban has been trying to sell himself. Well, he sell the media and sell his team that they're actually terrible. That they've played. He always does that. He said, "Look, we've played, you know, two. We played two good, two good halves against Miami. Then the fourth, the third, the second half, we played terrible. Let them back into the game or whatever you said. You know, <laughs> we actually lost the second half. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we let them back in the game by uh, winning by twenty nine <laughs> points, thirty nine points, or whatever the hell. And, and then he said the four quarters against Mercer." They were just messing around. They didn't play good football. So he's like, actually, we've actually played six bad quarters and two good quarters, you know. And so we're really not good. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's like this weird sort of, right. you know, coach, the coach speak. Saban invented, invented man. Saban invented coach speak, man. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. He invented coach speak. He well, he spent, well Belichick he was got at his Bel- team. Well, yeah, that's true. He did work for Belichick. <laughs> yeah, them guys will spin, you know. <laughs> They'll spin a, a fifty-point win into you know the worst performance they've ever seen. 
the and worst uh, was when they had Randy Moss in New England and they seventeen and oh, whatever they were, sixteen and oh, and they were still trying to make excuses for bad football and whatnot. Yeah. It was hey, hey though, you say that, but you but, know when Tom Brady but, when Tom Brady when Classical Burris said that they were gonna beat them and Tom Brady said, Oh we're we only gonna score thirteen points or whatever he said. <laughs> I mean yeah, yeah. one line they maybe they slipped up a little bit and all of a sudden uh bam. Seventeen and one, or whatever they were. So, it's just uh, eighteen and one, I guess. So, so that that is something to say for for why they do this kind of thing. It should be um, definitely going to be a must watch game over the weekend. Florida is one of the top ranked teams in the SEC. Alabama looks like they're on another planet, but this will be a test. Um, how big the test will be, we'll find out on Saturday. I know Shamar will be watching closely as a Florida Gator fan. But let's talk about the NFL season. Let's talk about Week One. Where uh, it was exciting, man. NFL is back. Week one was lit. It was an absolute stellar Thursday night game with the Bucks beating the Cowboys on a game-winning field goal. Um, the week was then capped off by a, a, a just a, a classic Monday night football between the Raiders and the and the Ravens. A matchup that went back and forth with Las Vegas winning its first home game in front of fans in overtime. And there were plenty of other major storylines in between there on Sunday. You had the Pittsburgh. Uh, and they turn the lights off on Buffalo in the second half and for an impressive road win. The Chiefs coming from behind to steal one from Cleveland. Jameis Winston routing Shamari's Packers in a, a quote-unquote home game in Jacksonville. The new-look Rams looked great on Sunday Night Football. So plenty of stuff, Shamari, to latch on to for our top headline. What will be your top headline from what you saw from week one? Uh, I mean, to me, it's it's uh, what happened to the Packers. Um mm. You know, of course, I'm a Packers fan, so I'm biased in that way. But even objectively, I mean, well, everything that happened with Aaron Rodgers uh, over the summer, and then he comes in, um, and then we just get we just get um, I mean, completely demolished. Also, can I haven't seen the Packers lose like that in in a long time? I can't even remember <laughs> the last time I saw the Packers lose like that, just in any game. Probably I mean, the last time I can think of was probably. The, AFC, the NFC Championship game against San Francisco a couple years ago. That was like that. That was probably that was bad. the last time. <laughs> and it still wasn't as bad. As but I mean, this team. Is, this, <laughs> but what makes this worse is that this is just Jameis. I mean, right. it's Jameis <laughs> and the Saints, and they don't even have Breeze. They have Breeze. They, they have Michael Thomas. No Michael Thomas. The first time yeah. starting with with the Saints. They don't have Michael Thomas. Yeah, I don't know if you heard last week, Sharon. I mean, me and Kendall were both kind of on the same page that you know the Saints may take it. We thought they were probably gonna take a step back this year. And this may end right. up being kind yeah. of a gap year, but yeah, they, <laughs> the gap in the year, <laughs> the gap they put right through the, through the, through the, through the one and two on Aaron Rodgers, man, because they were just all, yeah. I all mean, this his was, I mean, all weekend. I mean, we, I mean, we've had some bad losses. Some of those losses, you could see, you could see it happening. This loss was just like, it was like what, like it was like it's almost like, like you got in a car accident or something. It's like yeah. what, what just happened? Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, he's a guy by a truck. You're watching the game, and you're thinking, oh, we got Rodgers. He's confident. Adams is talking about how he's never seen a team this hungry before in his life. <laughs> the last dance. <laughs> the last dance and all this stuff. I'm like, yo, this is, you know, like, we're ready. The Saints are, I, I'm, I told Kendall, the Saints are going to run into a buzzsaw. I'm yeah. like, they don't, they don't even know. Yeah, Shamari kept saying that all week, and I wasn't as, I wasn't as convinced. I'm like, I'm like and the Saints don't even have a home right now, you know. Prayers, obviously, to everybody yeah, in Indiana. Yeah, but they're playing, you know, they're playing in, in Jacksonville, where Green, Green Bay has all these fans there. Like it was crazy. Yeah, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's gonna be done, and, and no, and it was just 
So that was. So just, what do you think um, happened there as a Packers? Uh, or is it still that un- is it that unexplainable, that inexplicable that it's hard to really even say? Uh, so there's a, I mean, there's a few things that stand out. I mean, to the Packers fan base, uh, Kevin King's got he's still got to go. He got. Burnt. I can't believe he's still uh, on the he's, roster, he's, man. Yeah, he's still he's got to go, man. This guy's got to go. I know, you know, a lot of other you know analysts and whatnot say you know outside of these moments, right. he, he is a good corner in right. terms of the other people we have yeah. or whatever. But the quarterback, I will, I will say real quick, the quarterback position, you know, it's like it's like what Chris Rock says about pilots. There's some jobs where you just always got to be good. You can't say, oh, well, the three <laughs> plays. Besides the three <laughs> plays that got burnt, they give a touchdown. I'm a good corner. Oh, man, that's, like, a great, that's, a, that's a great, that's a great reference. It's like, yo, if we're, if, <laughs> we, we can't that's always a great have a safety back for you, man. We can't always yeah. do that. You got to be able to guard guys. When they go deep on you, the NFL has fast receivers. You got to be able to go back, and he can't do it yeah, against yeah. guys that have good arms and can throw it deep. They it's it's getting to a point where I, I feel like these teams are looking for that. How is the, the first game coming after coming off of that him getting burned to however many times yeah, against yeah. the Bucks? Yeah, the first game back in the regular season, he gets burned again. I guarantee you, Sean Payton, Jameis were like, "Hey, hey, look, you know this guy." Yeah, they know one hundred. You know, oh, yeah, he's yeah, yeah, burned. Yeah, and then he, he gets burned again. Yep. This is this is a thing with him. So something's got to happen with him. Someone's got to they got they got to train him something, or he's got to go. So yeah. that's one thing. Uh, Rogers looked awful. Uh, it's yes. one of the worst, probably the worst game. One of the worst, definitely one of the worst games I've seen from him ever. And you know, this is coming off of all the drama over the summer. So that's. A problem. I mean, those are the two things that stand out immediately to me uh, because the Saints were scoring a lot on big plays. So the question, um, the question for me, Sham, though, is that yeah. those two things. I do those. I guess the question that all Packers fans, all NFL fans, are wondering now is: is do, do those things feel fixable? Like, was that loss so was was that loss so bad that it's indicative of what's to come in this season, where the Packers have major holes and they're just going to have a tough time of it throughout. And, I mean, you know, we know the Packers aren't going to win five games. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're trying to win a Super Bowl or at least go deep into the postseason. Right. Are these things, whether it be Aaron's uneven play or the, the, the poor play in the secondary, are these things that you think can prevent the Packers from doing that from what you saw this week? Or do you feel like there's more of a bump in the road? I mean, they can prevent us from doing that. I don't know what's going on with Rodgers. I mean, that's a big question mark, right? I mean... Like you said, I, I'm sure he's he'll still put up numbers. He'll still be solid, but is he going to be as good? I mean, I I don't know. You know, how many games are we going to win? Are we, are we going to lose before he gets his group back? I mean, you know, it's it's I no one can know. He spent a lot of this this summer part you know not partying, but you know all the, you know going on vacation and doing all this other yeah. stuff and playing mind games with the, with the front office and all this stuff. So I mean, I don't know if he's going to be on top of his game. He definitely was not on top of his game. Uh, you know, this, this past game, our secondary is an issue, uh, you know, that was exposed in the postseason last year and is continuing to be exposed. So that's a problem going forward. So that's an issue. I don't know what that's going to, those, that is a lasting issue. So that will cost us some games. Um, you know, it's funny. I was watching, um, I was watching a little bit of the herd today, uh, with Colin Coward and, and Joy Taylor and, and, and uh, they're talking. They were talking a lot of smack, but it was smack that I got to be like, look, 
It is what it is. They said, you know, the Packers, you know, they're they're good at being really good. They're good at just being very good, you know. But it's like, how many times have they gone into the Super Bowl? I was like, I mean, yeah, Favre and then Rodgers. Yeah, two of the best, arguably the best quarterbacks in the league mm-hmm. at the time, at their in their primes while they're playing. And you only go to the Super Bowl, uh, what, yeah, two times? Yeah, I've heard, shout out to Colin Coward, I've heard him compare mm-hmm. the Packers to the Celtics in that regard. Um, I was right. Celtics, as a Celtics fan, you know. Don't miss the playoffs a lot. I've seen the playoffs maybe once, mm-hmm. but it's but in that stretch, you will be all yeah. You to, to show for it. You know, it's like so. it's like uh, as a Packers fan, I'm I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm I'm used to every year like ten ten or so wins, yeah. ten or so wins, and you know we get to the playoffs and something happens, you know, and and you know you saw and that's guys, what I told you guys saw me raving it throughout you know the past couple of drafts yeah. we've had mistakes in the front office because we're always just one a couple pieces away right and they do something that doesn't make sense and we, don't, and we can't do anything and that's what i told ej last week where the packers were the team and i made it wrong but i told the packer i said i told ej that the packers were, the, were one of the teams that the regular season the regular season throw out the window because we know they're gonna make the playoffs. we know they're gonna win 10 11 12 games and that's not what it's about with this team. It's about winning a championship. Right. And, you know, they've gotten very close these last couple of years. They haven't been able to get over, get over that hump. After after this weekend, you have to ask the question, is is the regular season important? You know, yeah. will they make the playoffs? Or now the yeah, I mean, and it's funny you, you, you say that, Kendall, because it's funny. We talked about how the regular season wasn't important, and we both agree on that. But to me, the Packers played like the regular season wasn't important. 100%. I mean, the, the way they they, their approach, the way their preparation was, the way they their lack of energy on the field, the careless, uh, careless play by Aaron Rodgers. They played like the game didn't matter, and the the Saints, yeah. a well coached, you know, group of professionals, they went out there and and just bum rushed them as any well coached team would do. I, I will also say, as, as a Celtics fan, I can also say that. You also see that when you make those long playoff runs after after a couple of years, there that that regular season does start to. If you make those long playoff runs, you don't win championships or you don't get to the championship. That those regular seasons start to become more and more and more of a malaise where you know friction starts to come and mm-hmm. you, you know you lose the locker room a little bit. And then obviously we had the Roger situation and right. the Celtics were a mess last year. And you know I don't know if this. Packers team will be like will be like that, but um, that that that's that's the thing. And the regular season, you know, again they they were definitively, without a doubt, the worst team we saw on Sunday. I, I don't think they're the worst team. I mean, people keep making arguments. keep making arguments for these other teams like Tennessee and these other teams. Tennessee was bad. Atlanta I'm like, stunk. I'm like, Jacksonville I'm like, stunk. I'm like the Packers couldn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. you couldn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> the whole yeah. game, the whole game. We didn't control the ball. We didn't drive down the field. We couldn't do anything. The whole game. Yeah. And and the Saints could do everything they want. And it was just it was it and was, it was the Saints. Atrocious. Like I, this credit to the Saints. I think they they were a credit little better. Them. Than, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying I think they they're, they're clearly a little better than whatever I thought they were. We all yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And Sean Payton obviously is a great offensive mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I'm really coaching up that defense. I will say, if this were Kansas City, then you've got to talk it up to it. Right, and exactly. Is great. We got we got hit by a bus call. Exactly. You know, we'll be better next no, week. No, against a team like that, you have to be prepared or you're going to get just 
step But on. to win a Super Bowl, like teams against teams like New Orleans should be easy. Right. Or you should at least be You shouldn't be getting blown up by them. You know? Yeah, you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna be yeah, you're, you're not gonna win all. The, you're not gonna win every you game. Be looking like the worst team in the league. Right, I mean, you them. can't look like that. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, they have Detroit next week. We'll talk yeah. about next week. Yeah, going forward. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. Of, I, I'm tired of, of uh, you know, and I like Lafleur, um, but a lot of, whenever I hear him talk, and it, it, you know, of course, after losses, he's not going to be very pumped up. He's never. He's not a big uppity kind of kind of guy. 100%. But he just sounds very sad. He just sounds really sad, really down. Like I mean, a sad, he had to sit like, there. And, he had to sit there and be on that sideline for that game. I would have been sad too. <laughs> that I, was well, my game. That I, was my game yeah, plan being ripped to shreds like by the Saints. That's but, really tough because we. Cause I've been watching him say that all. It sounded like that all summer with this whole Rodgers thing, just looking sad. And then after this loss, he's looking just sad and sounding sad. And I'm like, come on, man, you gotta, you know. You know, just something. Insert something in there. It's something tough because on you the know. other, on the flip side, there you can't win. When you lose thirty-eight to three, there, there's nothing you can say in a press conference that people are gonna be like, you know what, I like this guy. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, if you would have been up there and been like, oh, you know what, we're still, we're still the same team. We're gonna be great. We're gonna be fine. People would have been like. You know, this guy's like, dismissing. How are you like, going to dismiss the way we lost? It's like poor. It's like, I don't know. It's like adding to the already. Yeah, yeah. It's like adding more to this just down. I'm down. I'm like, all right, what's the coach guy say? And he sounds like he just sounds so defeated and just dead. Yeah. And like, oh, you know, uh, we just he got destroyed. We just got destroyed out there. And I mean, know? look, you know, like you said, like, he's not a rah-rah kind of guy. <sighs> so, I mean, yeah, yeah. he's going to get him. He's going to get yeah, I know. him. Yeah, I know. But, you know, yeah, your, your pros, your cons. But it's just this. It's not good moments like Kendall, what's your what was your week one headline of the of the major storylines this weekend? So, staying on a similar theme, I, I I the thing I thought about. I mean, obviously there's headlines in every game, but the thing I thought about were the was the game where I think we saw the biggest dichotomy of this team might be really good and this team might not be really good. We really don't know until we see the season move along. But I think it's that you mentioned Tennessee and that game against Arizona. Yeah, I watched quite a bit of that game. Tennessee is a team that, you know, a lot of people had a lot of high hopes for. I wouldn't yes. say they were a Super Bowl favorite, but they were a trendy pick. Yeah, people were going yeah. crazy talking about Julio had the best season after, ever. Yeah, after getting Julio and, and you, you already know, have A.J. Brown. Julio and Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, yeah. all the Derrick Henry, <laughs> King Henry, you know, and right. the, the, the Norman Stephon, and the, the hype was out of control. Yeah, the hype, yeah, it was getting out Tannehill of control. Tannehill is going to prove he's an elite quarterback. <laughs> and, I mean, again, if it wasn't for Green Bay, they would have easily been the most disappointing team that we saw. This oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, on the flip side, you had an Arizona team that was also, I mean, I mentioned last week on our on our preview, I wouldn't call them a sleeper. You know, but they're more of a, a trendy pick, similar to Tennessee, right. where I think getting J.J. Watt, uh, a similar move to the Julio Jones move, mm-hmm. but on the defense side of the ball, um, on top of the the uh, another year of D-Hop and the weapons for Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury, that that there was hope that they would be improved, but they're in a tough division. So they yeah. may be the, the fourth good team in a, in a really tough division. Um, I mean, they were, they just, they completely zipped up. Tennessee, and then part of that was, you know, Taylor Lewan couldn't block a chair. Uh, that chair being Chandler. Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that chair number with number with number with fifty five. <laughs> no, fifty five. Exactly. That that chair was that was the one he couldn't block. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so so that 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 definitely helped their defense. And you have to 
you know, when you're thinking about this Arizona team going forward and we know that their defense is, is the weakness, quote unquote, of this team. And I don't think you can expect Chandler Jones to get five sacks in every game. So mm-hmm. we'll continue to we'll to continue to see whether or not this defense can play as well as it did uh, this weekend. But on the offensive side as well, Kyler Murray looked like, I mean, he was the MVP of week one. I mean, I don't know if he's going to win the MVP, um, but he was the MVP of week one. Um, and, I mean, he was terrific. So, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, um, again, this is a big question of, is was this Arizona or was this Tennessee? Tennessee's offense was probably the most disappointing unit of any team in the in, – in the, obviously, <laughs> Green Bay was terrible, you know, both sides of the ball. But particularly, you know, again, we talked about the Julio Jones acquisition. Him and Tannehill just were not on the same page all the game. Um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I joked with you guys, I sent you, I sent you a picture in the game. Julio looking like, you know, Jerry Rice on the Seahawks. <laughs> and, you know, Randy Moss on the Titans. Not nearly that bad, but – you know, obviously those questions, if you, this stuff continues to happen and continues to go games with, you know, three, four targets and one or two catches, those questions are going to start to come. You know, is he still that guy? Is he still that dude? Is he still the best receiver or the second best receiver in the league? So I expect he'll bounce back. Um, and I expect his Tennessee yeah, team to still be good. But, you know, the questions will continue to persist that, you know, the offensive coordinator or dismisses in Atlanta. And yeah. you know this is a different, different offense. And that this, we our first look at this new look Tennessee offense was not great, not a great first look. Yeah, I mean the Tennessee, Tennessee. I mean they, I mean they look just like, yeah, it was it was ugly. Um, I didn't, I think that was the most surprising. I mean, I, I in some ways, I would argue that the I would argue that the Packers were most disappointing, but I argue the Titans were most surprising in in the disappointment right. only because. The Packers, you could almost see the tragedy coming, of like, <laughs> you know what I'm and saying? Something you can like their attitude, they look, all right. the stuff with yeah, Rodgers. You can immediately point to that and say that's yeah. why. Yeah, sure. I don't right. know. Then, like, I don't know what you like, point Tennessee. to with Tennessee, but I, I guess maybe Arthur Smith. But like, nobody expected that to be this to turn out to look like this. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, so, so I think mm-hmm. to me, like Tennessee, in some ways, their debacle was most surprising because they were high expectations and Arizona was traveling not all the way across the country, but a pretty dis- decent travel to Tennessee for a week one game. And Luan is, you know, one of the linchpins of their offensive line. And like, you know, he was just like a, a human turnstile on, on Sunday against uh, Chandler Jones. I, I showed a video, I sent a video to you guys, you getting trucked by Buda Baker on a blitz. I mean, just, I don't know what his deal was that game. He's usually not that bad. He couldn't be worse um in that game on sunday that that was yeah it was it was bizarre uh that that game i think with both these teams I'm, I'm i'm willing to kind of just chalk it up to you know bad week one not ready to play they'll be better the rest of the season but yeah that tennessee um thing was bizarre i think for me the headline i i look at to me is probably like kind of overall like these afc teams chasing the chiefs and like the lack of clarity still as to like what like is anyone ready to take the throne in the AFC? Um, no, the Browns had the actual matchup against the Chiefs and an opportunity to show themselves, and for the first half, I mean, they looked like they were onto a route. I mean, they they were just dominating the Kansas City Chiefs, and but much like the Chiefs do, all of a sudden things turned around, and the Browns kind of unfortunately kind of turned back into the same old Browns, sort of not being able to finish a big game against a, a, a you know a top notch opponent. And, you know, a bad Baker Mayfield interception, and that's the ball game in KC. 
Um, you know, I think a lot of people are really high on Buffalo. You know, me and Kendall talked about how we're not as sure about them. They have a really great first half against Pittsburgh, and then they don't score any more points. Uh, Pittsburgh and their defense starting to look more resurgent than maybe where they, how they were last year. Go up into Buffalo and having an impressive road win. You know, do they, you know, take a step up? And then, you know, I talked about Monday Night Football. And Baltimore, you know, we knew it was going to be a, a, a tough environment going into, into Las Vegas. I think we knew it was going to be a great game. I think what was concerning was um, the running back play actually did come to bite them in the behind. And uh, turnovers overall, just regardless of just from the running back, but also just, the you know, the, that's the kind of game that you kind of hope that a veteran team that has super aspirations that's been in the postseason you know, finds a way to win. They're not going to just keep giving the game back to Las Vegas the way the Raiders were giving it back to them. Like the Raiders were exactly who they said they were or who we thought they were going in terms of how they were treating those last minutes and overtime, a lot of helter-skelter play, not all that stable. You know, they got, you know, even on the winning play, they had the field goal unit out on a second down for no reason. Nobody's ready. <laughs> they get a false start or, you know, a legal procedure penalty, then they throw a touchdown. But, like, I didn't expect Baltimore to also have those kind of same issues. You know what I'm saying? Like Vegas, yes. Baltimore, I expected to be a little more stable. They weren't in week one. They played an okay game. It wasn't like they played a bad game. But, again, we're talking about trying to beat the Chiefs. It didn't seem like really anyone rose up to the level that's needed to get to that point. We already talked about Tennessee and what they did. You know, and if Pittsburgh played good, they had a really bad first half. And it's a great win, but do we think they're on Kansas City's level? So I think to me, like that was kind of like the week one sort of I saw was that uh, I don't think anyone's still touching the Chiefs right now. And I thought that this was much closer. And of course, by the way, this is all overreaction week one. So that's, I don't know what people come <laughs> weeks later. Wait, you said blah, blah, blah. We're, this is the only games we got. So this is what we're going off of. But just from what I wanted to see from some of these other teams kind of stamp themselves and say, no, we are a team that's ready to take this mantle. A lot of teams, I thought, missed opportunities to kind of show what they have. Um, and the Browns being maybe I the think, number look, one team because they actually played the Chiefs. Yeah, I'll we're, say, out, Cleveland, we're out Tyron Matthew. I, I want to say Cleveland is a team that actually probably showed, showed themselves the best of all of those teams. I mean, some of those teams took, you know, got wins. Some of those teams lost. Um, but I will say Cleveland, being one of those teams that did take an L, um, there are still concerns about how does this team operate you know, late in games when they have to air it out, you know, they're going to throw the football, mm-hmm. um, you know, the play action that they like to use is, is for the most part off the table. Um, how do they operate and how does Baker Mayfield operate? And those questions were not answered or I mean, if they were answered, they weren't answered. They weren't the answer that we were hoping for. Um, but for the first two and a half quarters, first three quarters, they were the better team. You know, and while, yes, Kansas City didn't have Tyron Matthew, uh, you know, Cleveland didn't have Odell. Um, Exactly. And I don't know what Odell Beckham is going to be coming off an ACL. Uh, But if if Odell is is Odell and he's the guy and he's one of the top ten receivers in the league, then that's a major piece to to not have. Um, Absolutely. Particularly for if we're talking, if we're going to point out the passing game as their weakness. Uh, they didn't have their best receiver, um, so I, I, I I'm not I'm still going to give Cleveland a lot of credit for the way they played and yeah. um, you know the AFC. Every team in the AFC West won. 
yes. um, won their game. Yes. So, I mean, and we'll have we're gonna have weeks like that again. This is week one. No need to overreact, but they all won their game. So, I mean, it's definitely something something to point out. That is true. That that is very true. And and, and another real quickly thing I thought also, um, I don't know. The Cowboys seem to have had. It seems like a guy is out every day uh, since they that first very impressive game despite a loss to Buccaneers. Don't Demarcus Lawrence now is gone with a broken foot. But uh, Dak Prescott, man, um, if there was any you know concerns about what he was going to look like, you know, post obviously the ankle surgery, but then all the deals, de- deals he's had and issues he's had with his shoulder, um, all go for week one. I thought he was stellar. He looks like a guy that could be an MVP conversation. Um, there were also what I would consider maybe B storylines to talk about this week as well. I mean, I think that you had uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, dominating Atlanta. Um, you know, you had. You know, rookies, wide receivers like Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith, who, of course, played for the Eagles, you know, really showing out in their debuts. Then you also had the, the rookie QBs, uh, whether it be Zach Wilson or uh, Mac Jones, or, of course, and then one pick Trevor Lawrence. Those guys all going down their first outings. Uh, Kendall, what was some of the other storylines that you think were noteworthy in terms of the B storylines from this week one? Um... I, I, it's tough because I feel like you know, obviously we we all go to the to the to the rookie quarterbacks. How did the rookie quarterbacks play? Um, and you know, I think this is definitely going to be a year where they all struggle for the most point. Um, for the most part, I, I feel like they will probably play well individually, but um, I still feel weird seeing Joe Burrow as a rookie quarterback because he was out for. A good portion of so, so you still look at him as a rookie, is what you're saying? Uh, kind of, yeah. Interesting. Uh, he played enough games for me to where I, I don't consider him a rookie. I, I already have an impression, I already know what Joe Burrow is. <laughs> you know, like, if, I, enough, if I were still enough. asking the question, can Joe is Joe Burrow a good NFL quarterback? <laughs> then I, yes, I would agree, but enough, I feel like I would say he is. Um, he just didn't have any help, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, but uh, and he by the way, he looked good, you know. I gotta get, I. I told EJ, yeah. and EJ, you know, thought Cincinnati would be, be a little better uh, than the experts thought, and I thought he was crazy. I was like, this team's not going to lose more than three, three, four games, and and they look good. You know, like I mean, a look, very good quarterback. The the Vikings, you know, I don't I don't have much to say on Minnesota, <laughs> but um, you know, they they were they were another team where the secondary, you know, you talk about Kevin King, they're another team where the secondary just a complete mess, and they took advantage of it, but. Um, so, yeah, shout-out to Joe Burrow coming off that knee injury plan as well as he did. Uh, but, yeah, the rookie quarterbacks were were up and down. And you saw the flashes of talent from all of them. You know, Lawrence made a lot of big throws. Wilson made a lot of big boy throws. Both of those guys, um, you know, had their ups and downs. Um, both of them had, you know, played in pressure. Both of them, uh, both of them had situations where they, you know, turned the ball over and whatnot. Um, but I feel like they're overall, you know, they're all going to have their, their, their ups and downs. Um, you know, obviously Justin Fields, uh, I thought played well for the, the, the time he was out there, the six, seven snap, uh, against, <laughs> against the Rams. Um, wild, wild, wildcat quarterback, Justin Fields. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So it's so bizarre, man. You know, and, and like someone tweeted out that. 
<laughs> Matt Nagy is using Kirby Smart or using Justin Fields the same way Kirby Smart used Justin Fields. Um, we saw how that one ended. Um, it's, it's 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 a bizarre situation. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rehash. Uh, you know, I don't know if we've even gone gone that much into it, but obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a Justin Fields guy. He should he should be out there. So, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, overall though, I think the rookie quarterbacks uh, showed themselves well, and I think and also Matt, you know, Mac Jones um, was out there. Uh, he, he was a little bit more, you know, system quarterback. You know, they didn't, they weren't asking him to go out there and go, you know, yeah, yeah you know, make plays and go, you know, launch it, make plays off schedule and yeah, yeah. make throw the ball down the field. I mean, he was he was playing control football, and that's sort of what he was, what he was doing in Alabama, and you know, we scoffed at it, and uh, he did it in New England. And again, that's the thing, you know, going into it when they drafted him, that was always going to be the thing with Mac Jones is that. If you if Mac Jones plays Mac Jones football, he's gonna be good. You know, if you have him, you know, try and be Aaron Rodgers, that's where he's, he's that's where I have my questions. And they had Mac Jones play Mac Jones football and he played well. The problem is that New England doesn't have the the talent, the weapons is the same is the same team that Brady was like, I need to get out of here. So they don't have the weapons that Alabama did for him to play that way and then put up thirty one points. You know, they he they probably need a quarterback that's a little bit more explosive, um, but at the same time they were playing against a very good defense team. So, but yeah, I thought, I thought overall I think it was a it was a it was a mixed outing from the from the rookie quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to me, I thought uh, I thought you know the rookie. I would agree, mixed would be the word I would use. I mean, Zach Wilson, you know, as a Jet fan watching that Jet game, he was under duress literally from the first snap till the end of the game. I mean, it was um, just porous offensive line play by the Jets and very concerning considering this was uh, a team that knew offensive line was a problem and tried to address it through the offseason through you know you know through the draft and it looked just as bad as it was under Sam Darnold like saying you know <laughs> I felt like Sam Darnold uh, in the postgame handshake with Zach Wilson should have been like uh, he should have been the uh, Denzel Washington and remember the Titans saying like football is not funny anymore right no, no, it's not fun anymore. Because <laughs> Sam Darnold went through exactly what Zach Wilson had to go through in week one, where he's just running for his life. Um, I think all things considered, Wilson did okay. Because, I mean, it was just crazy, the amount of pressure he faced. I definitely thought Mac Jones the best of the three. He probably has the best supporting system around him, to for so that's not that surprising. But uh, I, I was a little surprised just how, like, much of a clown show the Jaguars looked in week one. I mean, I knew it would be kind of a clown show. <laughs> Clearly you didn't watch the, the, the Saints Monday Night Football game. I, I did not, to be fair. So, <laughs> let, me be, let me be honest. That Yes, you're right. I did not watch that game. Um, man, that's a clown show. The Texans, down 30, 30 what were they down? 34-7 to the Texans? So shout like, out to David Culley, by the way. I, shout I, out I, to him, yeah. Obviously, you know, I saw a ridiculous list. I'm not going to name names or, you know, name any <laughs> outlets, but saw a ridiculous list that had him as the number one coach on the hot seat heading into this season. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And no, he's like, he's, like he's coaching an expansion team. Like, how is he on yeah, the Yeah, Urban Meyer wasn't on the list. David Culley was. They both took the job around the, probably in the same month. You know, <laughs> both in their first years coaching their first game. And... Did David Culley? Did David Culley look like the guy who should be on the hot seat? <laughs> I it didn't make any sense. But so shout out to him. But yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I saw. Yeah, we saw playing me saying, you know, Urban Meyer's gonna have a health emergency at halftime. <laughs> he's gonna have to take. He's gonna have to take another leave of absence. Yeah. There's gonna be more games like this, man. Um, yeah, I mean, they were they were they were a complete clown show. I wanna I wanna shout out the second year QBs real quick. Um, uh, shout out to Justin Herbert. Shout out to uh, we talked about earlier. Um, uh, uh, Burrow. Um, those guys look great. Them guys look like real franchise. Oh, no shout out to Tua. Oh, uh, two one one. Yeah, of course, two or two. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, he's a shout out to for sure. No, he also looked really good. I mean, those yeah. guys look like legit. Like, if you were saying like, what's the kind of progression you want to see these guys from year one to two? I think all those franchises would be very pleased with what they saw from week one. Tua yeah. grinded out a very tough Tua win. It wasn't perfect. Take a um, hit. He-, he got blown up on a play against New England. And got back up. <laughs> you know, it was, it was one of those hits where it's like a guy with a bad hit. Yeah, he didn't get back up from that hit. He he had a terrible pick. Um, where he he like threw it off his back. Yeah, that was the play. I think he got blown up on that play. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a good bad play. throw. But I was I was I was more impressed that he got. I was far more impressed that he got back up from that. Hit. Yeah, my thing is he didn't have he didn't have to take that hit if he would have just threw the ball away or what he really should have done. <laughs> But no, but Tua he showed guts, he showed Moxie, he didn't lose in the game, and then you know Herbert, I, I thought one of the more underrated wins of this weekend was you know Los Angeles going to Washington and winning. I know Fitzpatrick was not out of the game; he's gonna be out for a while um, with the hip subflexion. Uh, Heineke is not a scrub. We seen that, we saw that in the postseason. He went out there and actually played okay, and um, they had a tough game. I mean, that was a tough nip and tuck game against a hell of a defense. And I thought Herbert was 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 great. Um, you know, we already talked about Burrow and how clutch he was. He made some big throws in overtime to to get that win with what looked like it was going to be a tie game um, for a little bit there. So uh, shout out to the second year QBs. I thought they all did a did a really good job. Um, yeah, man. Also shout. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Sha. No, go ahead, Sha. Um, uh, also shout out to Jalen Hurts, man. I, I watched I watched a lot of that Eagles game. Yeah. Do look for real. Yeah, a lot of Eagles fans are really excited. Yeah, he looked like he is for he is the real deal. Him and Devontae Smith. So shout out to Devontae Smith also. But yeah, that three rookie receivers, not to cut you off. All the rookies played great by the way. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, they're all good. Um, um but yeah, so I I was very impressed uh with what I saw from the Eagles. Um of course watching all the local stuff out here in PA, a lot of the Eagles fans are very excited. Um you know, excited about that. And they're the only team in their division that won, so they're in first place for now. But um, <laughs> that's gonna that, you're gonna be yeah. saying. That. I get the feeling you're gonna be saying that often, Shamari. <laughs> one only one team in the NFC East won. Only one team in the East won this week. That's not gonna be the first time. I guarantee you, yeah, you're gonna say that. Oh uh, yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, that, that was I was very impressed. Um, so I definitely plan on watching them more this season. That actually is a great segue to our week two segment of the of the of the podcast because as we head into the next slate. Of games, plenty of teams who were in the postseason last year coming to this a week, uh, week two, zero and one. So of course, Washington goes to New York. They lost their first game in Los Angeles. Bears go to Cincinnati. Browns, oh, excuse me, the Bears host Cincinnati. Uh, Browns host the Texans. Colts host the Rams. Bills travel to Miami. Uh, Titans travel to Seattle. And some um, primetime games as well with some all one teams that were in the postseason last season. So Baltimore host the Chiefs. And the Ravens host the Lions. I mean, excuse me, the Packers. Sorry, host the Lions. So uh, I go to I go to Sham on this one. Uh, of these teams, 
who do you think should be most desperate to avoid going down 0-2? Because remember, this is a 17-game season. So I know a lot of our previous you know, data points in terms of 0-2 teams and whether they, have, they can win a Super Bowl or make the playoffs, you know, they're based on 16-game seasons for the last 20-something years, 20, 30 years. Before that, even 14-game seasons. So, so it is an extra game, but going 0-2, you got to assume that this is also going to be um, a, a must-win game for a lot of these teams that have aspirations. Maybe not the Bears, but some of these teams think that they can go pretty far. Um, Of these teams, I would probably say... Hmm. Interesting. I'm not particularly concerned about any of these teams except except uh, Chicago. Uh, I don't I, like you said. I don't expect very much from them. Um, I would say I would say Tennessee mm. probably. They they looked really bad uh, last week. Um, Green Bay looked really bad as well, but I'm I'm confident that they'll at least make the playoffs. I I don't really have too ma- too many doubts uh, when it comes to that. Um, but Tennessee, I mean, they they got to get it together. I mean, they're not. Um, they have. I mean, they have talent, obviously, but they have talent. In a, it, but they're in a, it's in a situation where I could see things just falling apart. Um, you know, you know, and of course, throughout the season, injuries happen. You know, you know, with that team, you know, one or two guys go down, and and, and I could see them losing quite a, quite a lot of games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think them not starting out own two uh, would probably be. Um, you know that I think that I think that's going to be pretty important for them. I think Vrabel is going to be going to be very uh, very animated. Tennessee's in an interesting spot because they're similar to Green Bay in that they're really lucky that they're in a terrible division as well. Right, that was you the know, same thing. You you could say the Colts are probably like the Vikings, where it's like I mean, the Colts didn't look very impressive uh, right. in Seattle. They're probably the one. I mean, maybe it's the Bears. Honestly, <laughs> I can't really even say about them. Right. But. You know, whoever it is in the NFC North that will probably give the the Packers some, you know, some pushback. That's who Indy is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if Tennessee can get to nine wins, that might get them in the playoffs anyway. Just because the division. I mean, you know, right. Houston as well as Houston played. You know, Houston's not going to win more than six games. And right. Yeah. You know, Jacksonville. Who knows if they do win a game? So, um, you may have four four wins by osmosis playing those teams. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a that's a fair point. That's why, to me, when I look at these teams in these slated games, I circle Baltimore, and um, Baltimore is the main team for me. And, and, and in some ways, the Browns. Uh, the Browns probably feel good that they're hosting the Texans to get that one win. But I think the reason why I, I, I circle those teams, both being in NFC North, is I, I think we saw the other teams in NFC North they look like they got some sense this year. Like, like in terms of the, yes. the Bengals, obviously, um, you know, who don't normally have sense. They they look like they look like a pretty decent football team. And I don't know. I think I think the jury's out on what the Vikings are. So I don't, I don't want to just put so much stock into that win. But I think a lot of people were expecting, you know, Minnesota to go in there and find a way to get a W. And I thought Cincinnati comported themselves pretty well. They were dominant earlier in the game. Minnesota being a veteran team, they came back and, and you know, I kind of thought that they would buckle under that pressure. And, you know, that fumble call, I don't, that didn't look like Dalvin Cook. Yeah, Dalvin Cook happened. <laughs> Dalvin Cook, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know what to make of that fumble call, but the fumble did happen and they made, they took advantage of it. So, and then Pittsburgh, a team that I don't have high expectations for, or didn't at least coming into this year, 
But, I mean, I think we all kind of respect what Buffalo is. And I, I didn't think they would win that game. I definitely didn't, especially when they were down in the halftime. I, I did not think they would come back and win. And, you know, again, that Bills offense was turned into a very high-powered unit last year. Again, just being zipped up by the by the Pittsburgh defense on the road. Um, an extra, extremely impressive performance. So if I'm the Ravens and I'm the Browns, I, I don't want to go down 0-2 with those teams where they're, the way they looked in week one. You know, I'm not saying those teams can't make the playoffs still, but I, I just don't know. Like, those teams could easily end up being 2-0 this week. So I don't I don't want to be down two games trying to play catch-up with, especially Pittsburgh. You know, maybe you feel like the Bengals, you feel like you'll be able to catch at some point. Um, yeah. But then also you're, you're battling each other because we know that the Browns and Ravens both also have title title contention. And, and I really look at Baltimore because, man, you got the Chiefs. And I think that there's a second layer to having to get to 0-1 to 1-1 because we know what Baltimore has done against the Chiefs and it's been not very good in recent history. Uh, yeah, and, and she's owned them. Lamar. So they, they, I think this is a very much a psychological big game for them this weekend. Yeah, and Lamar, he looked he looked very messed up after that last game. Um, I didn't like the energy. The energy was very defeated, very defeated, but like on a like deeper level. He was very bothered by that game, and he gets like that sometimes. He gets like that actually a lot. And I, I don't think it's good. And there are a few other quarterbacks that, that, that get like that as well. But but with him, I see it frequently. Like, he'll have a – even on a bad play, he'll just be, like, really, like, really, like, down on himself. It's like, yo, you know, someone's got to be like, look, man, we we, we – the season's not over yet. You know, hey, like – look, that game – the, the problem – learn from it and improve. I, I think that, that, that it was probably accentuated during that game because, you know, I mean, you lose, you lose an offensive lineman. To an injury, yeah. uh, you've already lost. You know, Marcus Peters, you've already lost, lost two running, all your backs. running backs. Yeah, all your running backs. And so they become, yeah, I said two running backs, actually three. Um, you've lost three running backs. Uh, it, it becomes, it's like compounding, compounding stuff. Um, he thought they lost the game at the end of the game, and he's he's dapping up guys. Yeah, up he's dapping guys up. It wasn't over, and they actually got yeah. the ball back. But at that point, they thought the game was over. Yeah, and you wonder when he gets that fumble, does he think the game is over at that point, or did he was he in the right headspace because he thought the game was over earlier in the game? So, regardless, you know, I think that it was like a compounding level of stuff um, on that Baltimore Ravens team. And, and look, I picked the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl and. Look, that was prior to that was prior to the Gus Edwards Justice Hill injuries. Yeah. Um, so I'm retracting that pick. Uh, you know, I think he did. <laughs> full but, retraction. Uh, hey, full, full retraction. Full retraction. Not tentative. Uh, I'll, I'll make a partial. pick uh, by week eight. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, but when it comes to this team, I, I don't I don't feel great about it. Uh, if you're asking me though, the week two team that 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 need, most needs a win, I would say it's Buffalo. Um, I think Buffalo. Because they actually played pretty well and then choked that game away, um, it would be very deflating to then go on the road against a division opponent that already won their first game um, that didn't play well. I mean, you could say Buffalo maybe didn't play well either, but Miami did also did not play well and they found a way to get a win. Um, did you? You know, it would not be it would not be a good you know it would not be a good thing to go out and lose to that team even if it's on the road. A team that will likely be your division, you know, 
threat. So I would say I would say Buffalo, and then obviously Shamari mentioned Chicago. I mean, Chicago wins any chance. They've got to win this. They've got to win this game because that's the thing. I mean, the, the NFC North is bad as the NFC North looked this weekend. I would make the case. All four teams got an L. I would make the case that the Chicago Bears I mean, look the looks worst. the best. And and of honestly, the four teams, which is crazy to say because yeah. they didn't look good. Yeah. But I mean, Green Bay, Minnesota lost to. I mean, they played the Rams. So, you know, that was a team that we didn't expect them to beat anyway. Minnesota played Cincinnati. And I guess they played decent, but it's the Cincinnati Bengals. So they lost to them. And, and some of the same old issues with, you know, Cook putting the ball on the ground and, you know, and that caused a loss. Like, you know, some bad feelings about a close loss. And the offensive line, their offensive line's a mess. I mean, since yeah. they made Cincinnati look like they had the fierce and foursome. And then you had Detroit, who, you know, they came back late in that game, but for the most part. I mean, they were just being just obliterated by Yeah, getting obliterated <laughs> at home. So. Yeah. Chicago could be a playoff team if they can get something from their offense. And yeah. I say the offense, not to say David Montgomery, because he ran the ball great in that game. It was, he did. It was the passing game. And so I'm not going to single out any names because we've already dumped on that guy enough this week. But, you know, they got to they gotta figure out something in the passing game. Or whatever that means, and, they, um, Matt Nagy can figure that out. I mean, the reason I didn't put the Bears um, – I mean, objectively, they're in the worst spot because they have the worst team. But the reason I didn't put the Bears um, is because now I'm kind of using your thing, Kendall, the backwards kind of thing of, look, if they lose enough, someone will get canned. Yo, honestly, someone will get benched, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. And they'll put their better, their, the best player on that team probably, possibly. Right, right. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I wouldn't right. say definitely. They got a lot of great players on the team. But, you know, in the game, and then, you know, the light bulb will go off. And it'll be like, oh, right. that's fair. we have a good player. And then they'll yeah. actually benefit from that. That's yeah, I actually thought the same thing. I, I kind of looked at the Bears the same way in that, like, like you know, they, 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 they backed their they way got, into the got playoffs a, last year. Lost. Yeah, they, they backed their way into the playoffs last year. And they were lucky that they still were able to find someone who I think a lot of Bears fans are hopeful will be a franchise quarterback. But they, this is a team that probably really does need, like, a high-end pick this year. Like, they need to improve the talent pool overall. And like Jari said, even beyond the draft pick, if they're trying to make the playoffs, like you may need to lose this game to force Justin Fields onto the field. Right, exactly. Yeah, either way, yeah, like either way, if that, that if, if losing is what helps him get on the field and get that experience, and that's I just think them you want to win every game, and the Bears fans certainly don't want to lose. I don't think they want to lose games, especially this early in the season. But I almost feel like. If that's what it takes to get Justin Fields on the field, then it's not a catastrophe if you're 0-2. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. So that, that's that. Like I, I, I think Shane makes a great point. Like, I agree. They are in. They're the worst team. So therefore, them in Washington. So like them going 0-2 is not good because they the the ability for them to pick up the ground may be difficult. Though they do play in a division where I think that there are wins there potentially with the Vikings and the Lions. Not given wins for sure, but games that are winnable. Um, Similar to Washington, where Washington has a lot, every game is winnable for them. Um, so that's why I don't think I don't think that they're in bad shape at all coming into Thursday night, um, even if they do lose. So, though not having a quarterback obviously is not good, but I think they're still in a position to, to make a run in that division. Um, yeah, the Bears are in a weird. The Bears are in a weird spot. I mean, they, you got to feel great about how David Montgomery played against a really great defense. I mean, he looks like a star, uh, and he I guess he is a star, but 
to play that way in that kind of environment, despite the fact that you weren't going to get anything out of the passing game. It's pretty impressive. And it shows that if they can find a way to get something out of that passing game, things may, may change for them. But they're just not they're just not dynamic enough with Andy Dalton. I know Ken didn't want to mention his name, but he's just they're not they're not dynamic enough. They don't threaten anybody with him. Not trying to pick on anybody either. And 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 Andy Dalton's had a really good career. I mean, it's not even about dissing. It's not even really about dissing him. Like he's had a really good career. Yeah. Second round pick that was a starter and a franchise quarterback for a long time in Cincinnati. He took his team to the playoffs. Um, a really great career. He's at the point in his career now where he should be backing up somebody. And in there, and you know, in kind of a, a break glass, in, in a, if in case of emergency situation, he shouldn't be yeah. QB one coming out of yeah, should be yeah, it shouldn't be QB one coming out of training camp. Like that's that just that's just uh, mismanagement, as far as I'm concerned. And unless you don't have a guy who's ready, but I mean, again, Fields has shown to me that he's more than ready. So I, I don't know uh, what's going on there in Chicago, but uh, it should be a really great slate of games in week two. We mentioned all those teams that are uh, 0 one. Um, I also I'm really excited to see the Cowboys against the the Chargers again. Those are I think the two of the more intriguing teams in Week One for me, despite of course the Lawrence injury for the Cowboys. So it's a really good slate of games. I'm really excited to have football back. Um, I think also by the way, uh, Eagles 49 is also uh, much more interesting than I would have thought a week ago. Um, 49 looked a lot more like the 49er team we saw go to the Super Bowl in that first you know first three quarters against the Lions and and again Philly looked great so. A lot of good football to, to be watched this week, um, and, and we'll be uh, watching as always. But I want to shift back to the college game before we wrap the show up. Talk about another major story coming out of sports because we have uh, the end of an era in Los Angeles. Clay Helton, head coach of USC, he is no longer there. School announced it was firing um, their head coach after the school suffered an embarrassing home loss at Stanford. USC was a team that was expected to potentially go to the Rose Bowl. Um, to, to win the conference and, you know, maybe even potentially get to the college football playoff things and right. So to, to come out and just get blown out by a team in Stanford who, who was not picked to be one of the top teams in the Pac-12 was very disheartening for the administration. Um, I saw the AD spoke about, the school president, one of them spoke about how, you know, they felt like they upgraded the, the facilities, upgraded the, the program overall. So they expected a much better product and to see them, you know, struggle so much in that first game and that it was time for a change. So, Kendall, I feel like Helton's eventual demise at SC is not shocking. I think neither of us really had much confidence in him. Uh, the timing of his firing is rare in big-time college football. You don't see a team fire a guy after one game into a season, um, regardless of how embarrassing it is sometimes. Uh, what went wrong for Helton in your estimation, and where do the Trojans go from here? Uh, what would what went wrong for 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 Clay Helton? Um, so to start, I feel like I don't want to blame because obviously it goes the first mind when you talk about building a college football program. You're talking about being able to win at a certain level. The first thing you go to is well, you got to figure out the quarterback position. Um, mm-hmm. But he's coached a lot of good quarterbacks. I mean, they had Coach Sam Darnold, um, you know, who was a, who was a top five pick. Uh, top three pick. Uh, Keaton Slovis is a good quarterback right now. He had JT Daniels prior to Keaton Slovis, uh, who's now a good quarterback in Georgia. So it's, I, I don't want to blame the quarterback position, but you know, there's also been a lot of a lot of really good Southern California quarterbacks, and there continue to be a lot of really good Southern California quarterbacks now um, that aren't at USC. You know, and and 
that's that's a major position uh, to get right. Um, but uh, when it comes to when it comes to Clay Helton, I think he doesn't. He just does, he didn't. He doesn't fit the USC uh, what USC should be. What USC was with Pete Carroll. Um, you know that that modern that that modern version of USC. I can't speak to USC when OJ Simpson was there. You know, you know, I'm not from Southern California, but I can speak to to, to the Pete Carroll era uh, of USC, which is, um, you know, I would argue the golden age of, of you again. You know, don't don't shoot me, USC fans, if you feel like, oh, well, you don't remember that Marcus Allen, um, but the the golden age of USC football when they had Pete Carroll, they were an NFL team in LA, and you know that was before there were any NFL teams in LA, and or when there were no NFL teams in LA, I should say. Uh, and so this was a this was a team that con- conducted themselves like professionals. They had swagger. They always had the best players on the field at every position. And I feel like this USC team had none of the swagger, did not have the personnel, to be honest, did not have the talent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I talk about how the quarterback position was, fairly, was, was not really the problem. They had quarterbacks, but... Some of the other positions, I mean, those USC teams were, were, were that with that so deep. they were deep at every position. The line was really good. The the receivers had multiple NFL receivers at a time, multiple NFL running backs at a time. The defenses put NFL players on the on, at all three levels every single year. That was just not what this USC team, this USC program has been under Clay Helton. And I don't know if it's recruiting. I don't know if it's development. Um, it's a little bit of both, honestly, because they were – I don't remember what year it was. I think – I want to say it was two or three years ago. They didn't have a top 50 recruiting class. And yeah. that, to me, if I'm the AD or I'm the – I'm a booster or whatever I am, or I'm the school president, that's when you have to make the move to get rid of Clay Helton. And that's – I'm not calling for anybody's job necessarily, but at USC there should be no excuse for you not to have – a top 10 recruiting class every year. And that's why we see the talent, the lack of talent that they have now. And he ultimately was fired. Um, they did not look good against San Jose State in week one. A good San Jose team, but the San Jose State team, but did not look good. And they won, barely. And then, obviously, we saw what happened against a Stanford team that lost to Kansas State by 20-something points. So, um, so, yeah, that's how we got here. If, you're, if, if that's if that's the question we're asking, how do we get here? That those are all the those are all the factors. Sham, when it comes to when it comes to USC's future, what do you think that you're you will be looking for in a head coach for them to lead them out of the, these these dark ages? It feels like you know. Again, we grew up, um, you know, in, in in our kind of teenage years, you know, or preteen years with you know Reggie Bush and Liner, and it was, it was a dynasty. You know, they just they, they looked unbeatable. It's kind of crazy to see what they've become. In your mind, what do you think they need and what do you think they're missing right now? Um, uh, well, I mean, I can't say I disagree with, with them um, with them wanting to make a change in terms of the coaching staff, bringing in a coach who will draw recruits, um, who has had success, Bringing in a coach who maybe has been in the NFL, that may be a good decision. Um, 
So, but the, but I mean, they need players, um, and they they need just need the right atmosphere. USC USC program right now has just been it's just been dead. It's just been a dead program, and so so they 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 need they need talent, and they need uh, coaching. You know, it seems like it seems pretty simple, but that that's that's what it comes down to. And it really, it, it, I feel like the the source. I, again, I can't blame them for letting the coach go because where's it, where's it start? Yeah, you know, you're the coach. Bring in, recruit the players, recruit the players, coach them up. Uh, you know, USC is USC. You know, this isn't. Uh, you know, I don't know. This isn't UCLA where you, right. you got really got you really got coax them. You know, you right, really yeah. it's a it's a draw, but you got you got to do yeah, something yeah, to yeah. bring them in here. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, guy, I, and I I told EJ this off air. We talked about it yesterday or a couple days ago, and I told I I told him that USC there's one of there aren't many jobs like this, there aren't many schools like this, but USC is one of those schools where regardless of who the coach is, regardless of what you do, you're automatically just gonna get three or four or five stars or just guys well, right. who are just gonna go there because it's USC. They, they're right. USC fans, they're the best player in California, and they just want to go to school at USC, yeah. and they guys just fall in your lap, and so because of that. That's like you're already starting with what should be a top ten recruiting class. Just if you just fill out the rest of the rest of the recruiting class, you already have a top ten recruiting class. And for somehow, he didn't get some of those guys, or those guys still went there. He still got a, you know, a, a JT Daniels to go to USC, or he still got, uh, you know, Amon Ross, St. Brown, or some of these guys that we've seen be successful, uh, Michael Pittman. But I mean, again, you know, Pete Carroll had. You know, I mean, I think USC has the most. I want to say USC has the most NFL players of any school in in the history of of of, of the NFL. Um, Wouldn't surprise me. And you know, that's that. You know, a large part of that is is that Pete Carroll era. You know, yeah. um, where they just they it was like Alabama, where it was like they just put six, seven guys in the NFL every year. It, it's yeah. it's. Kendall mentioned recruiting, and recruiting catches up to you. And let, let me be clear: it's not like USC was, uh, you know, they 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 were you know recruiting terribly under Clay Helton. But I think what we saw was a lack of the 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 consistent um, elite level recruiting that is probably needed to to compete at USC. Um, you know, they they've had some you know they've had some good classes you know top ten classes top fifteen classes a couple of years in the last few years they've been in the top you know six or seven but you know twenty twenty uh, and this was kind of the year where kind of everything was kind of spinning around and they didn't know what was going on with Cliff Kingsbury and uh, they ended up with a, you know the the sixty fourth ranked uh, recruiting class and that yeah, catches up to you yeah. that, I mean these guys are these are the guys that are playing right now. You know what I'm saying? Like 64. you may think, you may think, okay, well, like whatever. Like we still got, we, you know, because they had a good class last year. They had a decent class the year before. But some of the guys from the year before aren't there, didn't develop, or maybe transferred. Um, some of the guys from this year, good players, but they're freshmen and not ready to play. Like it's the 2020 class, the guys that you really needed to actually come out here and ball this year. They're the guys that that's your depth. That's that's the make. That's really your roster. Um, and and, and you know. And the they year were, before that was twenty nineteen. They were twenty. Right, they were twenty, yeah. which is not terrible. And twenty sounds great. But USC <laughs> USC can't have two years, two straight years where they're they're recruiting subpar. One year where they're recruiting 
to the level of like Oregon State. Like that just can't. That's unacceptable. Maybe other programs can figure that out. This program can't figure that kind of thing out. And then another thing is, I would say that the recruiting classes they have had that have been pretty decent. I don't think they've developed these guys very well. I think the the, the player development, and I think that's what the 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 school was talking about in their statement in terms of firing Helton was they felt like they made investments to maybe improve that aspect of the program to ensure that these kids got the best environment to thrive. And, you know, you can't be getting four and five stars and they come out there and they don't do anything. I mean, who, who, what player from USC from the last four years, you know, in terms of, uh, especially a skill position player that you say, Oh, this guy came in camp, came on campus and really changed life for them. They just haven't had that kind of guy. It's crazy. It's USC. It's like, how do you not have that kind of guy? But that's, that's really been how yeah. it's been there. And EJ, let me tell you yeah. about the let me tell you about USC's 2018 recruiting class real quick. They had the number four class in the country, which is great considering, you know, the SEC usually has you know six of the top seven. But um, they, they, they had Amon Ross St. Brown, who I mentioned earlier. He was the number eleven player in that class, five star receiver. What do you know being what a fourth round pick? Like, I mean, he was a great college, very good college player, but. That guy that go that guy goes to Clemson, you know Georgia, Alabama. Yeah, he is that guy becomes first round pick. Yeah, exactly. You know J T. Daniels, the number two quarterback in that class, number sixteen player in the country. He's not even there anymore. He ain't there no more. That a linebacker, Pale Gauteo, he is at Ohio State right now. He was the number fifteen <laughs> player in the country that year. Elijah Griffin, who's Warren G's son cornerback five-star cornerback number 28 player in that class uh left after three years and was like a, a six-round pick like those are that, that, those were their five stars in that class four or five stars no zero impact or day two yeah. nfl draft picks or and also are, and also zero impact on the program yeah yeah no impact on the program you know what i'm saying like guys who either were there short time didn't really do all that much in terms of again changing life for them or left weren't even, aren't yeah, even there you know what I'm saying? And that's a top four class. Again, when Clemson and Alabama, when they got a top four class, they, they're cashing in on them guys. Them guys are developed. Them guys are ready. Even the time they get on the field, them guys are monsters. And 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 I think that that's the difference between a lot of these schools. So again, there are other schools that recruit in, you know, in the ballpark of some of these schools, like Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama and, and Georgia. And we say, well, why can't these other schools even crack? the top four or five with these guys. I think it's a lot of it comes down to that development in terms of picking the right kids and, and, and knowing what's best for them and, and, the, and the culture. And I think that that's, that stems with a lot of this problem for you. Not to mention your boy uh, Bubba Bolden, by the way. Yeah, so he's playing for the Miami Hurricanes. So, and you know, Miami. so there you go. So that's, that, that's like that, that, that speaks volumes. I think to me, when we look at what, what the future holds for USC, I mean, I'm one of those people where I feel like, you know, I try to be, you know, I, I know every job is not the easiest job. Everything comes with challenges. But I'm sorry. I think coaching USC football, if you're a competent head coach, is a pretty easy job. Like, I, I like you're in a, in a, of all the power conferences, you're in the one you'd probably most want to be in if you're trying to win immediately. Like, like this is the conference that if you came in, you, you had high expectations. It's like, all right, well, Oregon and everyone else, I, I can figure this out. Which, um, by the way... And look, we'll, well, you know, I'll let you finish. And I'll make this point. Out. Well, I'll just say, like, you know, so so you're in a conference where where you only got one team that's really a true threat, and it's not like you can't 
skip Oregon. Like, you know, they're they're a very good program. Of course, they got the Nike backing, but you're USC. And you you have maybe the most fertile recruiting ground in all of America. And then added to the fact that, as Kendall mentioned, a lot of those kids in that area, they're just going to USC. There's just nothing any other school could do about it for some of these kids. I got, you know, obviously I'm a University of Miami fan. And Miami has some of those advantages, but I think it's even deeper in USC where, like, because like, other schools have been able to come in and poach guys from from, from Miami in the, in the South Florida area. I think it's a lot harder when USC wants a top guy for that guy to choose somewhere else. I don't see it happen very often. Um, it will happen in Miami. It doesn't happen as much in USC. So well, you got uh, the guy. Let's be real. Well, Miami, you're right. Miami, I think Miami, I think it's more about the fact that Miami haven't had a coach that has been able to that's be able to make that a thing. They didn't the have the cult of personality that they just ten to fifteen years. I think Miami could be like that if they had the right coach. Um, USC, as we mentioned, it kind of doesn't matter. Does not matter unless unless it gets as bad as it did with Clay Helton. It kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. So, like to me, I, I think that. I think that is you can go a lot of different routes. I don't think that you got to get one specific guy to help the situation out. Um, I do think you need a guy that is going to bring real energy and some kind of leg to stand on from a, a background standpoint. I think some of the problems I've had with SC's Cache. hires is, yes, Cache. Some of the problems I have with SC hires is regardless of whether they've been big personalities or no personalities, They've hired three straight guys that have not accomplished anything as head coaches. And and I think to me that that proved to be a problem. I think in terms of maturity when it came to Sarkeesian and Kiffin. Um, and I think it came from, you know, again, respectability and cachet when it came to Helton. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to hire a head coach. But I don't think you can hire a, another coordinator at SC. I think that that might be a, that might be a gamble. I, I think that you got to get a guy who who's actually done something as a head coach that that people can come in and immediately say, "Okay, we know this guy has a track record." Um cuz cuz they just they've been flying blind with the guys they've been hiring recently. Like, so you know, what's name coach one year at Tennessee and had a terrible job with the Raiders. Sarkeesian was never a head coach and then Helton was yeah, never well, he a head got coach. Washington, but wasn't Right, but he was a short. All these guys yeah, that kept getting were guys with. They didn't accomplish anything where they were before. <laughs> they accomplished well, the zero. Thing, the thing about Sark and Kiffin and Orgeron to some extent, he was the, in, the interim, but all three of those guys, it was about getting back to the good old days of P. Carroll. They just. They were like, we need to get. They just found three guys that were from the P. Carroll era. Yeah. And then Helton was sort of an extension of that as well. So it's like, um, maybe they, maybe that's not the answer. You know, there's a reason why those guys were, were not the head coach. The reason why Pete Carroll was a head coach. I think that yeah, sometimes exactly. there's right. this. Sometimes there's this like romance. There's a romance element of like we got to give back to the guy that won us something. So just get the guy who worked for him. And it's like yeah. when they hired Pete Carroll, that was a very outside the box, original mm-hmm. idea. He yeah. built something special. This guy was a fire NFL head coach. Teams hire Belichick's assistants all the time. Notre Dame did it with Charlie Weiss. And seen it every time, you know, at all the different places in the NFL where they expect a Belichick assistant to be Belichick Jr. And none of them are like Belichick, honestly. Some of them adopt philosophies and styles, but 
they all end up being vastly different. The closest one, honestly, is Brian Flores, who is kind of similar to Belichick in a lot of ways. But, um, but you can't expect these guys to just be Bill Belichick Jr. You can't expect them to be Pete Carroll Jr. And I think we saw that's what USC was hoping for. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to say real quick that the you mentioned the Pac-12 being open. And, you know, it's kind of similar to how when Ohio State got rid of Jim Trestle and they had Luke Fickle for a year as an interim, mm-hmm. the Big Ten was kind of down. And there was there was clearly a wide-open Big Ten. Uh, there was one power program in Ohio State that had a really down year, but kind of knew was still uh, the power program. And Urban Meyer walked in and turned that team into yeah, what they changed, are now. He changed life immediately there. Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> turn that team into a. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say I, I I said at the time that I, I think I remember telling EJ, oh, don't worry, Ohio State's going to win twelve games, you know, <laughs> whatever Mario goes through. And and they did. Yeah, and, I, I couldn't believe that. I thought there was no way that the team I just saw win six games going to win double. Yeah, they won six year. games the year before, didn't lose a game the next year, and I the, this feels like a very similar situation. Potentially for someone like Urban Meyer to walk in and do the same thing. Obviously, Urban Meyer is in Jacksonville, so we'll see whether or not he uh, wants that job. He claims he does not, uh, but we'll see if he wants that job and whether he, he takes it. Um, Tong got a really good name. I'll give him a lot of credit. I did not think of this. Uh, it's a guy I actually worked with, by the way. Uh, he mentioned uh, Doug Peterson. Um, mm. as, a, as a guy who has NFL cachet, Mm-hmm. Um, won a Super Bowl, uh, isn't doing anything. Um, yep. And, you know, Doug Peterson, at, in, on the NFL level, with a team that ha- didn't have the most talent uh, his last couple of years in Philly, you know, he may have struggled. But, I, you know, we talk about it a lot when it comes to the NBA and in the NFL where pro coaching is so much better. Coaching in a lot of ways. Not to say these college aren't great, but um, I feel like you put Doug Peterson in the Pac-12, he would probably he would probably thrive. Plus, he has a son that just just entered the NFL, so he you know it's not like he does. He's never dealt with people this in this age group. Um, mm-hmm. He had a son that just left college, so uh, Doug Peterson would be somebody that I would seriously consider. I don't know if he he doesn't have the West Coast high um that that maybe they're looking for but honestly i I don't think it matters i think that i think that there are certain regions where that kind of thing doesn't matter much i think southern california is one of them i think that it's southern california is a place of transplants you know what i'm saying it's not like yes of course there are native you know angelinos as they call them um but like a lot of it is people who went from all other places and came to los angeles so like I think the notion that someone could, who's not from that area could come in and like immediately be immersed in all things SoCal is not hard. And I think the South is a lot. The South is a lot different. He's actually from Washington, so again, not Southern California, but right. he's from the West Coast. He's from the West Coast, but and like his, his entire coaching career has been nowhere in <laughs> nowhere near the West Coast. So yeah, but he doesn't but, feel like a West Coast guy at all. Yeah, but, like, to me, like, you know, again, like, I, I think it's not like the South. I think the South, you know, if you're getting a guy from, you know, New York, I think 
I think there are some challenges that are, are obvious that that could be could be problematic. Um, I don't I don't feel that way about Southern California in terms of like fish out of water being a problem. I think you can you could get anybody. I know uh, I know uh, Shamari Eric Bieniemy has been uh, linked to the job early on. What do you think of him as a potential candidate? Uh, I think that'd be fantastic. I mean, he's just coming off of uh, well a recent Super Bowl. Multiple Super Bowl appearances. Um, I mean, and he has a, it's, 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 his pitch sells itself for bringing guys. It doesn't, it, it takes, <laughs> it's so easy, man. It's so, it's, it's, it's the easiest pitch. Yeah. You want to be like, Patrick oh, Mahomes? you want to be, you wanna be next, hey, kid, you want to be next Mahomes? You want to be next Tyree Hill? <laughs> <laughs> I Tyree Hill. You know what I mean? Like, I was Travis Kelsey. You're tight end. Oh, so, tight oh end? big tight end? Oh, big guy! I'll work, I can work with you. I'll, I'll coach you up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, it's no time. Yeah. That'll convince me if I were to and, get, and if I had to think, would you pick between that and Saban? I'd have to think. Right, which right. is weird, but I'd have to Especially think. Especially if you're from California, if you're, or from yeah, Cold. if you're a Cali guy, and you're like, yo, I'm about to play with this guy that that just the other just last year coached Mahomes and the yeah. Chiefs to like 13 wins. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. That's tough. I think the Airbnb, one thing. I mean, well, I'll let you go. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say. Well, you go ahead, cause I have a, I, I, it's more of a segue. But okay, I was just gonna say that you know Eric Bieniemy. If you, I mean, we listened. If you ever listened to his his interviews, um, he would definitely got the guys from a recruiting standpoint. Um, he, uh, he, I mean, again, his players love. Him, you know, like yeah. that's the thing too. That Holmes yeah. is the main guy that will, you know, that will always. Ride for Eric Bieniemy as well as obviously guys like Andy and guys that other guys that have played for him, and that's also a big deal when it comes to recruiting. That if he can get on the phone with Patrick Mahomes and say, hey, you know, yeah, and for if you're recruiting a five-star quarterback, that's that could be a deal. So, um, yeah, I mean, we talk about having NFL cachet and the pedigree, um, you know, and I believe he's from Southern California as well. I mean that that would be. That would be something you have to strongly consider. You would have to have guys on his staff that know college football, that can recruit, that know how to recruit, right. stuff like that. But when it comes to the X's and O's, I mean, that would be a piece of cake. Um, and when it comes to being able to get players, I would assume he would know how to do that as well. And I know that there's uh, – obviously it's unfortunate that, you know, he should be getting an NFL job at some point. Um, like the fact that he doesn't have one is still – preposterous but this would be I, I, in my opinion maybe it may feel a consolation to them this wouldn't be a consolation to me you coaching USC that's one of the it jobs I think in all football um, the only thing that would to me feel make me feel bad is that oh well I'm not coaching NFL like if that's your dream then I sorry that the only thing is okay well this isn't the NFL but man I mean Los Angeles market great program uh, an administration that is now starved, like you know, they're not they they're making it clear, hey man, we're we're forking over bread now, like we're paying this guy twelve million just to get out of here in Helton. So we're ready, like we need somebody to bring us out of the doldrums, and we'll do whatever it takes. Like I think having that whole situation ready to go, I feel the SC is just ready to launch. They just need the right guy. I think that he. Um, would make sense. It's a very weird coaching market. Um, there are not a lot of college coaches that I see on the market that make sense unless there would be some kind of major surprise. Like, you know, does Lincoln Riley decide, you know what, I want to try something at USC. Um, 
but really, there aren't too many other college coaches that if I was an SC fan, I would be saying this. That's a guy I definitely want leading my program. I think the one thing SC's got to do too is is in terms of their um, their future is what also made SC great beyond just um, all we've talked about is they also did an excellent job recruiting, finding other uh, pipelines in other parts of the country to bring in talent. Like I thought Pete Carroll and one of the underrated things he did was making New Jersey a pipeline for, uh, for USC players between Dwayne Jarrett, Brian Cushing. I mean, they, they got some studs from the East coast to come all the way out to SC. And I think in many ways kind of completed those teams. I think they added a different kind of toughness. Um, so you're saying, uh, Greg Chiano. <laughs> Greg, we don't want Greg Chiano anywhere near uh, a major program like this, but, I, I'm not even saying in terms of the. I think I think any coach could do it, but I just think that's something that that, that they should be mindful of. Of that, you know, sometimes you know I know again we do with the Hurricanes. I think it's sometimes on SC it's like, yo man, we gotta make sure we get every dope guy from at, from Southern California. They gotta come to SC, and that's true. That is true. Just like it is in Miami, you gotta get the guys, the top guys in your area. But both of those schools have been great when they've been able to find other little pipelines where they can get two or three guys every year, and some of those guys end up being future NFL stars. And SC did it with Jersey. I think that whoever comes back to try to reclaim that, that dominance at SC, not only they are going to have to keep that stronghold in Southern California, but they're going to have to be make sure to, they can recruit nationally because the brand is different now. The brand is not as good. So it's going to take some work. But they, they could find some guys, some diamonds in the rough that they may not, the other teams might not be looking for, and they could use that big name and say, hey, Come out to SC and, and provide again some toughness, some 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 different energy to the to the locker room, and that may be what this team needs. But um, I think that's a great place to wrap the show this week, guys. So I want to thank you all for checking this out. Of course, I want to thank Shamari for joining us on uh, the podcast this week for Sports Talk. Of course, if you enjoy this show, you can catch all of our shows. Many of the shows Shamari is also on on the New Generation Podcast Network. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can find Shamari on. Uh, on the Imperial Broadcast, which he hosts his Star Wars podcast. And, of course, he's uh, a weekly host with us every week on Hero Talk. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, for more content regarding sports, superheroes, and Star Wars. And, of course, be sure to check us out on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, and Instagram, New Generation Podcast. You can find us individually on social media. Shamar can be found on Twitter. Uh, excuse me, not on I would say Twitter. You can be found on Snapchat and Instagram, MCShan22. <laughs> uh, Kendall can be found on Twitter DJ Ken and you can find me on Twitter DJ underscore Stewart and on Instagram action DJ thank you guys so much for checking this out thanks again to Shamari for joining us to Shamari to Kendall to DJ take it easy guys peace <laughs>